Hey, this is Adam Cruz, owner-broker of the Herman London Real Estate Group and host of the St. Louis Realtor Podcast. And this is Shannon St. Pierre, a realtor at Herman London and co-host of the St. Louis Realtor Podcast. Before we begin, we just want to say that we are realtors, which is different from someone who is simply an agent. The term realtor identifies a real estate professional who is a member of the National Association of Realtors and subscribes to its strict code of ethics. And even though it's called the St. Louis Realtor Podcast, this show is for everyone who's interested in real estate. Buyers, sellers, realtors, HGTV watchers, everyone. So if this specific episode isn't exactly what you're looking for, go through our past episodes and I guarantee you'll find a topic that interests you. And if there's a topic you want us to cover, email us at podcast at hermanlondon.com. That's Herman, H-E-R-M-A-N-N, london.com. And we'll talk about it on an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening and enjoy. From the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with your host, Adam Cruz. Welcome, everybody, to the St. Louis Realtor Podcast. As you know, I'm your host, Adam Cruz, realtor and broker owner for Herman London Real Estate Group here in beautiful Maplewood, Missouri. I'm super excited today because I have what I would consider to be a very special guest. This is Mary Kausch. And she's the owner of Alignment Partnership. But Mary and I have known each other, I guess, for, I don't know, eight or 10 years or something long like that. Um, Mary's played a lot of roles for me from mentor to she's done a, taught me a few different classes. She's put on an event for our company. We hired her to put on a big event for like our business planning retreat and motivational stuff. Um, I've learned a ton from her about the DISC personality assessment. I've hired her in different HR roles to do interviews and stuff like that for candidates we were considering. And I just always love talking to you, Mary. And so I just really wanted to have you on as a guest and um, kind of share, you know, you and I, when we meet or we'll have a beer or something like that, we always have these such interesting conversations. And I thought it would be nice for our millions of podcast viewers to get a little taste of, of all the interesting stuff that you have going on. Yeah, thank you, Adam. It's nice yeah. to see you this morning. It's and it is a beautiful day. It beautiful is a beautiful day. day out there. Yeah, so I'm wanting to cover a few different topics with you. You know, like one of the, my favorite things that you and I talk about is the DISC personality assessment. It's not a test. You've made that very clear to me. But before we jump into that, I guess if you don't mind me asking, You've been a self-employed person for as long as I've known you, but you just told me it's, it's nearly 30 years. That's correct, except for a very recent stint for about nine months. Okay. So I've been a, an, uh, an entrepreneur for uh, officially it would be 29 years. Wow, that's amazing. Good for you. And I don't know what we're going to do to celebrate when it becomes 30 years. I don't know yet either. But let me ask, like, have, did you start out self-motivated or did you start out kind of with the employee mindset and then have worked your way into being a self-motivated entrepreneur? Or like, how did, how did this all go for you? 
Well, um, I've always been very self-motivated. That started when I was a kid with my family and my parents and how they raised us. But the thing that got me the most was I had two really bad bosses. And that was my motivation to actually start the company because I wanted to save people from having to experience what I experienced with bad bosses because they, they, they can make it or break it. You know, they can make us or break us. And so it was really clear when I was very young that, um, that this is an area that needed some more assistance. Let's say that. For sure. Okay. And so I'm sure you, you know, without getting into too much detail, was it bad boss? Like they didn't know how to give the right kind of motivation or discipline or were they inappropriate or like kind of what made them a bad boss? That's a good question, Adam. What made him a bad boss? Uh, not setting expectations, not giving feedback, not spending time. I had a boss that sabotaged me in mm. front of peers. Um, I had one who only wanted to look good for the CEO and not take care of the team. Um, there was no drive to really pull the team together and really talk about the things that mattered for what the results were that we were there to achieve. Um, nothing to do with camaraderie, you know, so we, it wasn't like we were all in this together. And, um, and that's, that's one of the, the foundational principles of having a team that's going to function in a high performing way is, are you all in this together or do some of you just look out for yourselves? And that's that whole, you know, you have to hire people that you want to be part of an intact team that they're all in this together rather than being a maverick. Interesting. I, I think part of the problem we're going to have today, by the way, is everything you say, I want to like go off on these little tangents and ask you about it. You know, you mentioned that the boss um, didn't know how to set expectations. And uh, I've, I've had to learn over the years about how important that is, you know, and I always thought that, can I give example? We, when I first formed the company, our, our policy with the agents was like, Hey, just turn in your paperwork. It's all good, you know. But as we went along, I realized I had to make a checklist of exactly the forms that they needed for each deal. And when I came out with that checklist, I thought it was going to be pitchforks and torches at my door, right? Um, you can't make us do this stuff or something like that. But what I found is everyone loved it because, like you said, they want to know what's expected of them. And so it made a, it made a huge difference anyway. Yeah, well, Adam, you're, you're not wired for some of that because I know your style very well as you and I have gotten to know each other. And actually we've known each other well, way over 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. And the thing that like a checklist would do, cause I love checklists. The thing that a checklist would do, and I'm not wired for checklists necessarily either, but I have learned over the years is that a checklist just gives me some structure. It's my guide. And it actually, it helps me be more successful. So I don't forget things. Yeah. And so it is, it's, it's about those expectations. And so I'm so glad that you did that because that's a, that's an important part of being a good leader and a good manager is having these structures in place. Absolutely. And I've, and I've really had to take some of those things that I've learned from you and others. And, you know, I've really implemented them into our business as we've gone. Um, but so I, sticking on this topic of you being self-motivated for so many years, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people that are, that are self-employed struggle with is I think you kind of wake up in the morning and it's like, okay, what should I do today? Right. And it's like, I got this list of a hundred things that I want to accomplish, but I also have laundry and boy, my dog looks like they could use a walk, you know? So how do you 
kind of like decide what you're going to do on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, I, I know in a week for a week, exactly what I need to accomplish for the whole week. So I have to break that down and make sure that I know what the, the key priorities are for that day. So, you know, I, I, I can get very overzealous and think, Oh, I can get these 10 things done today. That's eh, not reality because inevitably a phone call comes in or something that I didn't expect was coming up. And, and it's like, we have to plan for what's unexpected. And those unexpected things usually take up about two hours of my day. And so I know that I'm not going to get 10 things done. And usually I get my top three, you know, that is what I have to focus on because by the end of the week, I have to be this far along in whatever it is that I need to be doing, whether it's um, doing instructional design, which is creating programs, creating training programs or workshops, um, or if it's something around marketing or it's thinking about a schedule. One of the things that I've learned over the last three years that has been very helpful is to get a cadence and a cadence is so like on Mondays, I do this on Tuesdays, I do this Wednesdays, I do this. And also the cadence, not only of certain days, all right, but also weeks of the month. So on certain weeks of the month, what am I really doing? You know, cause sometimes, I mean, I just have to spend, you know, business development. That's all I can be doing for X number of days a month. So that's a lot of phone calls. That's a lot of emails. That's thinking about a campaign. If I want to do a campaign around a certain product, you know, so it's all those things. And I think that that cadence helps give that structure for most people. Not everybody likes that cadence, but the cadence is just really important. Well, you, so as part of your cadence, you mentioned that you have to know kind of what you have to do for the week. I think you said that to start. Yeah, it's a week. So, so do you have like a ritual on Sunday nights? I plan my week or something like that? Or how do you know what you have to do for the week? Oh, I do it by the end of the week because I want to play all weekend. I don't, I don't want to work. I need a break. So my, my main work, work days with clients is always Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And Monday and Friday are my days to get it all together to make sure I've got everything taken care of on Mondays and Fridays. So that's almost a given. And the beauty about doing that, too, is with uh, technology the way it is, if I want to extend a weekend somewhere out, okay, I can log in and do my thing from one of my favorite places in the universe. We're going to get into that. I plan on asking you about that. But So you're saying you find that sometime like every Friday or maybe Monday to figure out what your priorities are for the week? Yeah, it's usually Thursday or Friday, Adam. I don't want to wait till Monday because I, I need to know what I have to do when I get up on Monday morning and get moving. Okay, cool. And you you love a lot of notes. I remember we were on like the Economic Development Committee for the Maplewood Chamber of Commerce years ago and we had a meeting and you were kind of like, had you love post-it notes, right? Yeah. Are you still a post-it note lover? No, I'm not doing that anymore because I started losing post-it notes. You know, I wonder if you note- would go back, would you... When you were doing that, would you go back and look at all the post-it notes? Or like, are you like me with these stacks of notes of things that I'm like really just writing it down, put it in my head, but I'm not really going back to it? So here's the thing with how I, I kind of operate is I'm a very visual person. And I also, I love quotes. So quotes are very motivating for me. So is color. So part of the thing with the post-it notes was color and things that kept me inspired and kept me motivated. All right. So I do that. I was like, I only have one post-it note on my computer right now, which is something I have to actively do like daily. And it's because of Microsoft 10, you know, I got to, I'm moving files to OneDrive. 
So that's the only thing I got. However, I keep a book in my purse. I always have for years and years and years. And people always tease me about this little book I have. Um, Right now, hang on, I'll go get it. You go get it. So I probably have, this this, this is what this one looks like. Others I have have motivational quotes on them and stuff, but this was given to me by a very special friend. And I write things in here all the time and I go back. And everything's dated, everything has who the person was and everything, but it just helps me keep track of my ideas and my thoughts. And, and I also have people that I get to talk to on a regular basis, my colleagues and my friends, my clients. You know? So I make sure that that helps keep me motivated regularly. So when you said that you make a plan for the week and then kind of you have a cadence for each day, um, you, you're saying that you, you would not ever say like, okay, these are the things I'm going to get done on Monday and pack so many things in there that there's no time for that, what you're calling like two hours, like the plan's going to change stuff. Yeah, I used to do that, Adam, and it just doesn't work. So I have discovered that, you know, don't set yourself up for failure because then you feel bad. So set yourself up for success being reality is how many key priorities can I work on on any given day? Because I have to know what the exact result is and how it's going to translate into what's next. So, you know, like I know today I have to call five people today. All right. So I got these five people I have to call, but I also, because of a project I'm working on, I need, I had to put clients in for this afternoon. So I've got clients this afternoon as well. That's not normal for me to do that. So I know that when you and I get off this, that I will make those phone calls and then, you know, then it's time for lunch and then I come back and do that. But I knew what my reality was for today at the beginning of this week. And I just knew that I would only have the time to do those specific things and then I'd be done. I love it. By the end of the day. Yeah, because it is Friday. It is Friday. That's right. You got a busy day for your Friday. Yeah, and I know you wanted me to save on this whole thing about really getting this balance thing, and I just, I, we'll talk about that, I know, later, but it is just so important, because we become our own worst enemies as human well, let's, beings. Let's just be- go into it right now, then, Mary, you know? Okay. So, one of, one of the things that I've noticed from you uh, is that you are, um, you're not bashful or shy or whatever about saying, Hey, I'm going to go on this trip or I need to unplug, you know, but I find if I go like golfing on a Thursday or something like that, I'm like, I'm like secretly golfing. You know, I don't want anyone to know that I'm golfing and I'm not working. And I, and then I'm on the golf course and I'm texting and emailing and stuff like that, you know, which is, is much less enjoyable than what I'm imagining your approach to be, which is don't call me for, three weeks or whatever. So tell me about kind of your, what you do and your strategy well, there. It is, it is very specific. I, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to say, tell somebody I'm taking time off. Yeah. I'm going to be off. I'm leaving on, if you need to talk to me, we has to happen by noon on Thursday because I'm leaving on Thursday afternoon to unplug and I won't be back in until noon on Monday. And Adam, over all these years, I have found that people have great respect for that. Yeah. And I'm not going to hide that I need time off because we all need downtime and it is truly rejuvenating. I mean, I cannot be good for you if I'm not being good to me. And a lot of people think that's a trite saying, but it is true. And so I, I have to do that. I, you know, nature is my therapy. So I'm going to be out 
you know, and about. And like this right now is fall foliage. And I just talked to a friend of mine the other night and I said, hey, let's go for a drive. Northern Missouri is going to be peaking here and Southern Missouri is going to be peaking here. Let's go. So, and if that's going to be on a Friday afternoon, I am going to schedule time for that next Friday afternoon because I'm going to go for a drive and see the trees. And on that drive, what do you do? Like, wh where's your cell phone? Um, usually somewhere. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm not very good. I'm not even hooked up to Bluetooth purposefully because I don't want to be using all my time. I like windshield time because it gives me time to think. So, you know, we, you know, there's burnouts real, you know, did you know, I did a, I did a blog post on this, but the world health organization that employee burnout, burnout has actually become a health cl classification. Wow. Burnout. It makes sense. Especially, you know, but also, uh, have you found like I have that when you're doing that sort of unplugging time, that you have some of your best ideas? Absolutely. I get clarity. I figure out some of the dilemmas that I'm in, that I'm in personally. I figure out some situations with my, with my clients and my colleagues. I, I get to think about what I want to write about next. I get to think about people that I haven't talked to for a while that I want to re-engage with and, and give them a phone call or something. And, you know, but I do that too, because I mean, I, I, I walk regularly, as you know, and, um, and I get my exercise in and it's just, it's, I need to calm my brain. So do you have, uh, like you just kind of mentioned that you sort of randomly called your friend and said, let's make this drive. But do you have a cadence of when you take your, your like unplugged trips? Well, I have my annual one. I That's didn't get big to do one, it. Right? Yeah, I didn't get to do it this year uh, for 2020, um, given all the lockdown and different things. And things were just a little bit... Um, Things were not a little bit. Things were very, very different this July. But um, this would have been my 18th consecutive year. And I started it and I was really worried about doing it. And it was, um, I call it the extravaganza. And the extravaganza, you've heard me talk about this, is I would leave on July 1st. And I would not come back until July 31st. And I would wander. And typically I would always have a destination and sometimes I would make it, sometimes I would not. It would always involve many things out in the woods and exploring downtime. You know, I would, I would check in with clients along the way. I would give them a designated time when I knew that I would be somewhere where I could check in with people. But it was one of the most, it's the most glorious time of my year because I get completely refreshed. Wow. Yeah. Did you, did you choose July because that's when you like to be outdoors most or is that generally a downtime in people's businesses or how did you kind of come across that? Moment? Yeah. So the downtime in people's businesses. So I didn't start doing it. I looked at what was happening in my business for 10 years. And in 10 years I had no income in the month of July. And I was like, okay, well, everybody's on vacation. You know, it's just kind of like one of the hottest months here in the Midwest and people were, were just kind of doing their things. It was just like, like a lull month. Uh -huh. and so I was like, well, why do I keep fighting this? You know, because if this is, if there's, there's, if I'm not going to be able to generate what I, you know, I need to be generating or I want to be generating in July, why don't I just join? Why don't I just join this effort? So that was one reason. And then the second reason is it's my birthday. So, oh, nice. yeah. And I always celebrate my birthday. And um, for, I, I, 
as long as I can remember doing this is I make sure that on my actual birthday that I am doing something I have never done before. And it could be cooking a crazy dish. It could be going to a new park. It could be something I'm doing with my family that I've never done before. It doesn't have to be grandiose. It can be something that's very, very simple. And it, I remember these things and photograph it. And it just, it, it just fills me, especially when I look back over the years and all the crazy stuff I've done, you know, the little stuff, the big stuff. And um, it really, it brings me so much satisfaction, but it's also very inspiring for me. I love it. I love it. As you go, will you try to go for longer? Would you rather have like a second month, you know, November, or would you rather have like June and July or, you know, two months at once? Oh, Adam, I, I mean, I can see me doing it for three months in a row. <laughs> Easy. So Easy. You, would you rather do it three months in a row or like one month, you know, let's call it retreat because you are working and thinking about work at least. Yeah. One month retreat, two months at work. One month, you'd rather do three months in a row. Yeah, I really haven't. I haven't really given it much thought because I get so rejuvenated. But I, I mean, I regularly will t schedule other other vacations. You know, I, I find that I get into the winter winter doldrums, and so I need to I need to break that. You know, so I need to again to get re-energized. I need to see sun, or I need to I need to get out of the winter mode. So I'll go do something besides. You know, just keep trying to push. And the grind, I, I can't keep, you just can't keep doing that. You're just going to burn out. You know, and this goes, this is actually things with every day too. You know, I have a tendency to be and uh, work way too much. You know, the whole proverbial workaholic. Yeah. When I was coming up through the ranks in corporate America is that got rewarded. Being a workaholic got rewarded. You know, this also goes back to this bad boss thing because part of the, people being a bad boss too was the, the proverbial carrot and stick trying to motivate through intimidation or if you don't do this, then this is what's going to happen. You know, so that, that has never worked for humans. And so when, when we start thinking about like what it is that people need, you at, at, at some point in your day, we got to stop and you've got to get recharged to get ready for whatever your next day is going to be. Otherwise you won't be as good as you could be. All right. And it's always about giving your best effort, hopefully every day to do your best work. And like some people are most productive at 6 a.m. That would not be me. Other people are most productive at noon. You know, so we have to find that. I'm going to go back to the word cadence. That has been something that's been really big these last few years for me is cadence. Cool. Okay. Well, um, one of my favorite things, if I might switch topics now. Sure. One of my favorite things to talk about with you, because you are, you might not call yourself this, but to me, you are the foremost worldwide expert oh. on the DISC, D-I-S-C personality assessment, right? And yeah. so you, uh, over the years, like you said, we've known each other now over 10 years. Yeah. Um, you know, you, I think we're probably the one who introduced me to the DISC personality assessment. Um, I've learned a lot about myself from it, um, from the assessment. We're not allowed to call it a test, Mary. You taught me that. So That's I, right. It's not a test. I Tests learned a lot like about myself. Fail. Yes. Yeah, this is not a pass fail. So I learned a lot about myself from this DISC personality assessment. I've um, learned a lot about um, other people, right? Um, when I started dating, who's now my wife, Molly, we had her take 
the DISC personality assessment, and then you gave us a comparison report. Yep. And so then I took Molly out to dinner and we went through those reports together and she still thinks that's funny, but, um, and then I've done that with other, you know, people that work here and stuff. Um, and it's just had such, what you've taught me through that disc has had such a crazy dramatic positive impact on me okay. that, um, uh, I, I don't know. I hope that we can talk about it a little bit today and maybe you can give an overview of what it is and, so Adam, why don't you just why don't you just embellish on that a little bit more in terms of like what it, how was it so powerful for you? Because I mean, even if you took you, I mean, I remember when you wanted us to do this with Molly, you know, which I thought was great. I've also done it with a sister and brother-in-law as well. Okay. Yeah. So it can only in, improve your relationships if you use the information. So I'm, I, and I, I love hearing this because you are such a fan, Yeah. but can you give us like two things that actually really did to help you with growing Herman London? Sure. Sure. So what, what we'll find is that everybody maybe has the same goals or similar goals or whatever, but they all have different personalities and different ways that they like approach people and approach a problem. But I guess it's about like, they have different ways that they sort of process information. Right. And so one example, um, there's this guy who works here. His name's Tom. I, I, you know, Tom knows I love talking about this, but Tom and I were friends for years before he started working here. And Tom's personality is way different than mine. And I'm always this guy who has all these big ideas and ideas and change and let's do this all the time. And I would say, Tom, I've got this great idea. Tom would say, no, Tom, let's change this. No, Tom, let's try this new thing. No. And it's like, God, Tom hates me. Tom, I'm thinking Tom hates me. Tom hates my ideas. Tom must think I'm an idiot, whatever, right? <laughs> and then you have Tom take the DISC personality assessment. Yeah. And then we both understand Tom and we realize Tom doesn't hate you, Adam. Tom just processes information differently. Tom doesn't like change. Tom, you know, you have to. So for my relationship with Tom, now I can say, Tom, I have this great new idea. I know he's going to say no. And I don't get all mad and flustered and try to convince him right then of what it is. But because of what I learned from you, I give him time to process the information. I give him time to do his own research, right? I give him time to think about it. And then we'll come back and talk about it a couple of days later. And Tom might come around. You know, I might be able to convince Tom at that point, or Tom might have convinced himself that it is a good idea. Uh -huh. And that was like, that smaller thing was just so important for our relationship because now I don't feel like Tom hates me or thinks I have bad ideas. And now Tom and I are actually doing things and moving forward. We just had to sort of communicate with it a little bit differently. Yeah. You know? Well, Tom, I remember this fateful day, Adam. I'll never forget that fateful day. Yeah, I remember it really well. It's, it was over at your office. But the thing that Tom also helped you do, I mean, he really helped you because he took you from way up here, uh -huh. pulled you down here, and he gave you some insight that you just aren't naturally wired to discover on your own. Uh -huh. All right. But you also feed him ideas that he can then really like crunch on and think through his research is very important to him and to make sure that he had they, the way the time is wired. For those of you who are listening, Tom's conscientious. And what it would be is he would want to have his quote unquote ducks in a row. Uh -huh. He would want to make sure that he would be successful because he has done the logical approach. Okay. Adam does the inspirational approach because he's an I, he's an influencer in disc language. 
And so because you had took the time really to understand each other, you have now benefited both of you, you've benefited your team and you have grown your company because you are taking that time to make sure that you're balancing out. Adam wants this, but Tom wants this. And so how do you come together and make it happen? Yeah. And so then I've got a lot of examples. I'm trying to think of which one to focus on Mary, but I, I like to, I, can I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that one of the easiest ones I can bring up to is the one you just did on the checklist because you're not wired for checklists. Okay. And so yeah. you just actually stepping, I, I call it flexing your style. You and I have talked about that, but to flex your style is you created this checklist that set everybody else up for success. That's not naturally you, but that helped the whole rest of your team. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, you know, my personality isn't to be that like deep into the details. You know, I've got a lot of ideas. I like a lot of action and, um, I know that I need those kind of detailed type of people around me and that they have value, you know, just because that person's not like spewing out tons of ideas all the time. Right. Mary, I like to compare this to painting a room. Okay? <laughs> what a great analogy. So, so when I, when my wife and I paint a room, I'm the roller, right? And she's the cutter. Uh -huh. And so I, when you, when you roll, think of the wall, rolling is really 90% of the wall, right? Uh -huh. And cutting is 10% of the wall, but rolling is really only 50% of the job because you can't leave the room uncut, right? And so my wife and I have, from this kind of the disc stuff, we talk a lot about that like 90, 10 stuff. I'm the 90% guy and she's the 10% person, but her 10% is really at least half of the work, you know? And so I like to go in last night, we were reorganizing our house. We got some new furniture or whatever. I go in, I'm moving the tables, I'm moving the sofas, you know, I'm cleaning out the, the big junk and then I'm done. I'm sitting down and my wife's like going through the little boxes of toys, taking out and cleaning this stuff. And it's like, that is very important work that I can't do that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. but we, we, we do, uh, we need each other basically, you know, yeah. Well, she's a good balance for you, Adam. Uh, yeah. We knew that. We knew that immediately, you know, at the very beginning. So what you're even talking about is like people orientation or task orientation. And that's a big thing to understand. You're very much people in relationship oriented and people around you are much more task oriented and you need them. I need they, them. They help you do your best work. Yeah, absolutely. And so I can't not mention Jerry in this, you know, oh, you know Jerry, right? Yes. And so everybody, when, Jerry, Jerry is Adam's like right hand, right arm. Yeah. I should say she's like your right side of your body, probably. Jerry's everything. If, if it wasn't for Jerry, I always say, and I'll say it again, if Jerry ever quits, I'm shutting the company down, you know? Um, she's very important. <laughs> I, please, I please, I hope you tell her this. Yeah. Well, actually, because of the because of the disc assessment and that uh, comparison report, I learned from that, thanks to you, that, uh, for example, Jerry likes to know that she's sincerely appreciated. Absolutely. Right. And so we it's kind of a running joke, but it's serious now because of that years later. I mean, I don't know. That's probably been seven years that, since she took that that report with you. But I still say to her, Jerry, I sincerely appreciate you. And she knows I'm saying it because the report told me to say it, right? I mean, she knows I appreciate her too, but she, I think, still likes hearing it anyway, you yeah. know? And so 
like working with me, I would come in, especially like as our company was, um, was like really getting started. I would come in almost every day with a new idea. And Jerry being the S, the steady, that keeps it all together person, I think that at first, you know, it's like day one, she's like, okay, new idea. I can do it. I can do it. And then day two, it's like, okay, another new idea. I can do that. I can do both of those. And then the third day, I'm like, another new idea. And she's like, ah, how can I keep it all together? Right. And, and I think Jerry had to learn, and you probably helped her learn this, like, Adam's going to have a lot of ideas. He doesn't necessarily need you to do every one of them. You know, you guys are going to have to communicate about what priorities are and things like that, because then that without that conversation, Jerry would feel like she was doing a bad job because I'm throwing stuff at her all day. And she's like, how many of these things can I juggle? You know, yeah, yeah. you just need to keep your ideas on a whiteboard and figure out which ones are really going to work, you know, and get Tom involved, of course, as you have. And Jerry, Jerry just needs the plan. We did that, Mary, because of you. Again, we have a whiteboard now in Jerry's office, and occasionally, we used to do it weekly, but now occasionally, we'll go in there, and we have this huge list of things that I've written down that I want to do, and we'll talk about priorities. You know, okay, let's put a little G by this one, let's put an A by this one, and let's talk about priorities, and and it's been, um, it's just been super impactful for us, and that's, to me, that's all thanks to what you taught us via oh. the disc. Well, I'm um, proud of you. I'm proud of you for stepping into this because this is this is vulnerable. Yeah, Adam, and, and you are naturally a vulnerable leader. You always have been all these years, and and that's one of the things that you're you're willing to step in and try something and do something that might expose something that ah, you know. And some people don't want to know about that. But the more that you become vulnerable and you actually like explore some of these things that you're not sure about, it's like the thing with Tom and you, you know, you weren't sure about that just during your friendship. But then when things came to light is it was a vulnerability that we, that you accepted and you embraced that, Hey, I want to make this better. I want to make this team better. Yeah. And in order to get better, sometimes, you know, that soft underbelly that we have needs to be exposed as to the, that's the why, the why that we're doing something or not doing something. Yeah. Yeah. So I applaud you. I'm so proud of you. And this is smart. You've turned this around on me and now you've got me talking about disc, but I, I'm so excited about it. I have, I want to give another example if I can. Oh, sure. This is, this is your, this is your show, Adam. You just do whatever you want. Well, I'm, I'm supposed to be pulling stuff out of your brain, but you've already taught me so much that I'm just kind of sharing some of that, you know? Um, one of the things that we do often is we'll get new realtors that join our company and our approach to training I think is maybe a lot different than what other companies approaches is because I, I don't know where I heard this maybe from you, but I say, if you treat everyone equally, someone's being treated unfairly. And, and I mean that in terms of like how people learn, right. And then how, what they want to do with their day. And so one of the first things that we do when we have someone new here or when someone wants to meet with me and uh, do business planning is we have them do the disc assessment and then I, that helps me to help them make a plan, mm-hmm. right? So we narrow down a weekly plan for them with specific things that they'll do that works for their personality. Right. Absolutely. Well, and the other thing that I believe that you've done, Adam, is the thing that, you know, equally and fairly and all that. But what happens is, is if you look at, I'm just going to say training, 
is adult learning styles, visual, kinesthetic, okay, and auditory. And so if you modify your training and make sure that you're doing, you know, people get a chance to do something, which is the kinesthetic, people hear things, which is the auditory, and people get to see things, which is the visual, all right, you can meet those styles, okay? And if you do it in a structured approach, that means that people will get it. They will uh -huh. learn. And you just always have to keep that in mind because if you do that, it crosses over all of the different preferences of all the different styles. I love it. Yeah, and just be organized like that. So that's a key thing with, with training. But the other thing that you have done, and to your, to your credit, Adam, is thinking about this business planning because I, I'll never forget that day over in the, uh, the old, the former restaurant there is when we did all of that visioning and planning for each one of your agents. Mm -hmm. And that is key because if you don't know, I mean, how can you organize a day or a week if you don't know like where you're going, you know, what do you want to achieve? What kind of things do you want to have happen for you that year? What do you want to try? What ideas do you have? And throw all that out there and then start putting a plan together to make sure that you can, can do those. I love it. I love it. That was an energizing day. Well, you did uh, amazing. You know, That was fun. That was yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, you know that, way, how hey, to, can we give your information on how can, people can get a hold of you if they want? Well, sure. I don't know if you're still helping people with DISC. I assume you are. I hope you Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Not only just DISC, but I, um, all of my, all the learning products, all of the assessments, so to speak, Adam, uh -huh. all right, are all through the Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. So it's Wiley Publishing. And so I am a, I'm an authorized partner with Biley to use these instruments. And there's way more than DISC. You can do things around five behaviors of a cohesive team, which is based on the work of Patrick Lanchoni. And it really looks at, at trust. Trust is the foundation. And it looks at what happens when we get in, you know, conflict gets in our way. And then it helps us cascade, not cascade, but to elevate our performance based upon the results that we want to seek. And are we putting trust in as our foundation conflict do we have commitment are we really having accountability all right and it moves you up and it's it creates a different kind of conversation amongst the team so that's something else that's that can be even disc based or myers-briggs based okay our styles tell inform us of a lot of in the manner in which we go about trusting each other having conflict being held accountable committing to something and achieving results. So it's very informative. So, how, so can they, do you want to give your number or how do they? Yeah, get sure. It? Sure. My phone number, which I enjoy phone calls and texts a lot is 314-409-6622. So 314-409-6622. And you can always reach me on email, mary at alignment partnership.com one of the other things that you uh at least your teachings did for us is when we were making our you know we made a listing presentation like a big packet of information that we give to a seller so that they can learn about us and the disc was implemented into that right because this big packet of information it has pictures of us smiling with happy clients right for the for the eye right yep it has uh, data and definitions for the C, right? Yep. It yep. has charts and graphs 
for I don't know who that's for. Is that for S's or something? Well, that could actually be for that could be inform everybody, especially a visual person. But your your C's are going to love that, and okay. I would think too that your D's would enjoy that too. It's a quick snapshot, just boom. yeah, yeah. And like we have a map of St. Louis with little dots all over it of all the homes mm -hmm. that we've sold. You know, mm -hmm. I think maybe the D's would like that. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. and and so we designed this whole thing with all the different personality yeah. types yeah. in mind. You know, did and you I think also out? Did you outline your process too? Of how you yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Steps so to selling that, a home and all that yep. kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. All that's, that's, that's for your S's and C's. So yeah. kudos to you, Adam. No, we couldn't have done it without you, Mary. Seriously, oh, seriously. I appreciate it. What do you want to say anything more about the disc, or should we just say, hey, call Mary if you want to know more about the yeah, disc? Yeah, we can just we can move on. I I mean, I'm just again, I'm just like I'm jumping for joy, even though I'm trying to stay here in front of this camera, but I'm jumping for joy. Cool. Well, yeah. I can't say enough about how much of an impact it's had on me and our business and our people. So yeah. I, I, I could, my family did the disc because of you, like all sorts of stuff. Um, all right. Well, one of the things you just mentioned is kind of like other assessments and stuff. And are you getting into like emotional intelligence? Yeah. Yeah. Wiley has just put something out that I'm really, really excited about. It's called Agile EQ. And it actually EQ is emotional intelligence. And um, Daniel Goldman has been the, the, at the helm of this for many, many years on emotional intelligence. And that's really looking at the interpersonal skills, the soft skills of how we approach situations, how we respond, how we react to different situations. And it, it, goes, it goes much deeper than you'll ever know on just a style component. And so the Agile EQ is going to help people understand how they are responding and, and handling um, their current situations. And um, in fact, next week, I am actually diving more into that because I have a client who's very interested in doing that. And so we're having some more conversation about it. And um, I, I can't remember the exact dates, but Adam, right now with everything that's happening with COVID and people with you know, how their lives have had to change and children being at home and they're trying to work and they're just trying to navigate um, maybe parents that they're taking care of or grandchildren that they're taking care of and homeschooling their kids, which some people never, ever thought they'd be homeschooling their kids. It's, it's a way for people to, especially couples, to take a look at how are they responding to each other and responding to the, their current environment within which they have to be productive and they have to live their lives. And, and so I'm really excited about that for where we are right now as society. So what, so you kind of, what is a, you know, one or two sentences definition, rough definition of emotional intelligence? A rough definition. Or maybe an example. Or something. Yeah, so it's like, um, I'll give you an example, right? Because I, I think I've kind of defined it and I'll, I'll say it again. It's, it's about how it's, it's very interpersonal. It's about how we relate with each other. So the whole interpersonal skills. Like, um, for example, you've, you've been in conversations with some people who constantly interrupt. That's an interpersonal skill. You have some people who fly off the handle. Right? Some people who hear something and they just go, you know, the, the ballistic and it's like, okay, let's, 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 let, wait a minute, wait, 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 let's, let's talk about this. Where are you going with this? And so it's how people are, are reacting to certain things and how they're behaving in different situations. 
So let's say you're in a staff meeting and um, somebody starts like rolling their eyes or somebody starts like huffing and puffing. And it's very obvious that somebody is tuning out whoever is the facilitator or somebody's presenting. Well, that's an awareness piece that some people don't even know that they're doing. Uh And it's a blind spot. And some people don't want to tell that other individual that, hey, did you know what you just did in that meeting? Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't want to be that candid with one of their coworkers or one of their team members. And there's, there's just a fear of being honest with people about that. And so this Agile EQ helps bring some of that to light because self-awareness is the very first step to modifying behavior. If you don't see it, it's not going to change or it's not going to be modified. Um, is Agile being used kind of in the same way they're using it in, in like development now where it means like, just sort of like checking in every two weeks or whatever. Yeah, you can use that. You could use DISC. You could use your Myers-Briggs. You could use some things like the five behaviors of a cohesive team. You could talk about, you know, expectations. You would just say, hey, let's talk about how we're getting along. Let's talk about how I'm managing you, right? What do you need me to do more of? What do you need me to do less of? All right, and especially looking at like where people want to grow into these days. What would you like to do next? Is there a certain kind of project? And if we're not touching base and having those kinds of conversations, we don't know. Okay. Um, Can I give an example of what I think, uh, like where emotional intelligence might come into play in in my business? And you tell me your thoughts on this. Um, Lately with COVID, we're sort of uh, encouraging our agents to try new things and get out of their comfort zones and whatever. And part of that is coming into play is we're making a lot of phone calls, you know, and calling a neighborhood and inviting them to an event or something like that. And, um, or calling people and offering to buy their house, you know, and when I'm getting some new people that are going to do this with me, it seems like they're real worried about their script. What's my script, my script, my script. And they want to talk about the script. They want to do the script. And I'm, I'm saying the script is sort of important but you need to get on the calls. You need to practice, right? And they are uncomfortable with practicing a lot. And, but to me, that's where the uh, kind of the emotional intelligence comes in is in that practice, right? So if you talk to somebody and they say, yeah, I need to sell my house because, you know, I'm getting a divorce or something, right? If you just follow the script, it's like, okay, getting a divorce, great. So you'd love to sell your home and like, (laughs) You know, but if you have any sort of freaking emotional intelligence, right, you would pause there and go, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Or like, oh, that's terrible. Like, whatever. Like, you'd, yeah. you'd give some sort of empathetic yeah. response, right? right? Yeah, and, and, you, I, and that's not scripted. You can't put that in a script. Someone right. has to have emotional intelligence to be able to do that, to yeah. look past, like, well, does that mean I'm going to make money here or not, right? It's like, let me actually care about what you're saying. And I think I'm finding success on these calls. And, and I guess that's because I, I think I have emotional intelligence or mm-hmm. is that? Yeah, well, remember, you're also the people-oriented person. You're the relational person. So, and, and people want to know when we're communicating with them, people want to know that you can identify with what they're going through. So let's take the case of this person being divorced is rather than following a script, it is to empathize with them. Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry to hear that, or, or, or wow, that must be difficult right now. 
um, this must selling your house must be must be bringing you you know some some angst you know something to to identify with the other person rather than just launching in because if we don't identify with the other person then they probably don't think that we're listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not a robot. Yeah, right. You're not a robot. And so how do we identify with the other human, the other human that we're actually, you know, in this dialogue with? All right. So that's, that's a big thing. And yeah, I, I can see where that would be into, into this emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Also falls into communication. It also falls into style. So here's well, an example. Oh yeah, please. Because okay, a script is just like that checklist that you talked about earlier. So a script is something that will give me some parameters. It will give me confidence when I practice it. It will be my guide. It won't be like I'm going to get tongue-tied. All right? And people's biggest fear, you know, is picking up those phones. One of their biggest fears is picking up that phone and making those cold calls without having a foundation, without having an opportunity to say, hey, I'm confident here. I know what I'm going to say. And hey, if the conversation goes this way, I know that I should say this, or I could cover this, or I could do that. Mm -hmm. And I really think it's much more about confidence is why they're asking you for scripts, is to help them. And then, of course, you can step into your coach mode with them and say, okay, so give me some of the scenarios that you're experiencing where the script didn't work. And then you coach them through what that is. Okay. Um, so with emotional intelligence, is there like high and low or is there sort of other variables like with disc where you're sort of one of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's all, I'm going to say it's all variable because we're not all just, you can't just pigeonhole me. Okay. I can't just be this. Like you're just not an eye. I see you going dominant. I see you going conscientious. I see you going steady. You're just, your primary is that. So it's all on a behavioral, they call it a behavioral continua. Okay, continuum. Okay, so this behavioral because we we all we, we move and we flex, especially when we 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 learn things about ourselves, or we have a situation that comes up that really is impactful. It's like me telling you about this cadence thing. You know, I had to learn that because I'm not naturally wired like that. So several years ago, that came into me as a from a coach, a coach that was coaching me, said, you know, Mary, you might want to try this. And when you get success with that and you can get into this routine, we like routines. Our brains, our brains crave certainty. So this cadence gives us, gives us the structure and the plan and we know what we need to do. And so we have success and that gives confidence. Okay. Well, um, by the way, I know we're taking longer than I promised you. Do you need to Go or can I keep asking you questions? Because you know. No, how about how about just a couple more questions, Adam? Because you know what? I remember my cadence today. I got to make those five phone calls. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Well, I wanted to ask. I have two more topics, so let's try to spend like three minutes on each topic. Okay, that sounds good. Right. Yeah. And I'll I'll stop talking. And let you talk. So, <laughs> you, you know, I wanted to ask you about uh, trends in like leadership and stuff. I went to one of your classes or workshops recently. And all these new like terms came up and you're talking about herding cats and all this kind of stuff. And uh, there was another term that was used a lot that I forget what it was, but what, what do you, what's your work with that? What are you finding? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, the, what, what you have participated in Adam was what I called an executive briefing and it was an overview of a process called the leadership for organizational excellence. Okay. 
And really what it is, is it's looking at your blind spots as a company. You know, what is it that you're not thinking about or what is it that's back over here that you're not, uh, you're not necessarily paying attention to and let's bring it to light. It could be something around your plan. It could be something around like the positions that you require in your company or your business or your organization to make sure that you achieve the plan. So plan, positions, it could be about the people that you have. It's the proverbial thing about the right seat, you know, the right people in the right seats at the right time. Uh -huh. All right. So plan, positions, people. And then it looks at things around process. So like, do you have the right processes in place? The scripts. Okay. That's a process. The checklist that you do, that's a process. Do you have processes that work? Do you need processes? All right. So that's that. And then you look at how do we measure? All right, so this, it's called perform metrics. And then lastly is, do you have passion for what it is that you're doing? All right, do you the have the energy? The, it's actually, it's the, it's the six Ps of the Leadership for Organizational Excellence. It's actually a Sandler training product. All right, so it, it really is very insightful to take a look at what it is that um, you have that's working well and that's not working. And in a snapshot, you can go through some of these things and realize this is why we're unsuccessful because we're hiring the wrong people or we're onboarding the wrong people because we don't have a process in place for that. And that will never go away. That's always going to be, you know, a plan is always going to be imperative. And if you think about it through all of this, we've been going through for six months with COVID is we have had to, for some companies, they have had to have a new plan every day. So having a new plan every day or new shipments or the manufacturing facilities that totally change one of their, one of their manufacturing lines to start doing PPE. I have a client that actually changed the manufacturing line to, to uh, produce a part for a ventilator. So they were able to shift and that means shift processes, shift people, get the right people in the right spots on the lines. So, you, so we always have to do that. Yeah. It's never changed. I love it. Um, all right. I promised you I wouldn't. I could ask you 50 more questions about that, but I promised you I wouldn't. Um, last thing that I just wanted to ask about today is, you know, I met you through the what was the Maplewood Chamber of Commerce. Now, I guess it's the Mid-County Chamber of Commerce. And I was just curious, like for people who are, are listening, and I know this is like a big shift from the topics we talked about, but you've been a major believer in chamber of commerce, you know, for as long as I've known you, what, what are you, why would you encourage uh, someone to join a chamber of commerce? <clears throat> why? I can speak about the value that it's brought me. And this is my why. Number one is community is really knowing your community and knowing the people that are helping your community be sustainable. I mean, Maplewood is a vibrant community and much of that has, is attributed to our merchants, the people who are here that they, they help each other out. You know, I can be in one restaurant and they actually get their, their vinegar from another merchant right here in town. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right. And so if you think about community and isn't that a community is a team. And so that's, that's a big thing for me. So I had this, this term and this is part of why I'm part of the chamber is I, it's a locavore, 
L-O-C-A-V-O-R-E. So it's all about consuming what's local and shop small. And I want to, I want to, where I live, I want to be able to, I've always had this thing and it happened when I was living in a small community in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. And I could put on my backpack, grab my dog and I could go to the bank. I could go to the post office. I could go to the grocery store. I could stop and get a rent, rent a video, okay, rent a video, and I could do all of these things on a walk around my community, and I loved it, and so when I got back to St. Louis 20 plus years ago, I, I really wanted to find that kind of community, and I found that here in Maplewood, so I wanted to be able to keep giving to my community and being part of my community and knowing what's going on and to really serve them. So that's what I do. I shop here. I live here. I work here. I play here. Love it. Okay. So if someone wants to join a chamber, they shouldn't just come into one meeting, pass out a bunch of business cards and expect to get a bunch of business. It's more join the community, give back, go to the things, build relationships, right? Absolutely. It's all about building relationships. And you know what happens to everybody when somebody walks in and starts just handing out business cards? I mean, how likely is it that you, Adam, is going to take that business card and say, oh my gosh, of course I'm going to call you. That's so unlikely. Right. You know, you won't do that until you build a re- relationship and a rapport with somebody. And that's what, the, that's what the, the chamber actually does. Any chamber is about getting to know the people with whom you can do business with, but also to serve each other. It's not just about business. It's about how do we help each other? And that's what a chamber can do for you. And they also help you. They have tons of resources. There are some very, very knowledgeable people in every chamber of commerce. All right. Well, Mary, you are amazing. Um, Sincerely, I, I sincerely appreciate you. And Anna, if you have so many questions for me, I'll be happy to do this again anytime. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, one last time. I know that Joey will add to like the show notes how people can get a hold of you. But for people listening, do you mind giving your phone number and your email again? Sure. My, my name is Mary Couch. It's K-A-U-S-C-H. Phone number is 314-409-6622. And my email address is Mary at Alignment Partnership. Mary at alignmentpartnership.com. Thank you very much, Mary. I suspect I'll be seeing and talking to you very soon. You know it. (laughs) We're going here in Maplewood. That's right. Okay. Thank you very much. And take care for all the listeners too. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Adam. Bye-bye.